Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right, so my name is Pastor Sean. Welcome to 6 a.m. SOAP. This morning we are in First Chronicles uh, chapter 20. And I'm going to pray. Um, Nicole's going to read for us, and then we'll jump in. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation it brings to us. We thank you for the um, conviction that your word brings this morning. We pray that um, your word would be alive and active, that your word would move in our lives and in our hearts. And, Father, we pray that today you would motivate, motivate us to action um, based on what your word is um, telling us today. So, Father, we thank you for this time, and we pray that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> well, good morning, everyone. Here we are in First Chronicles chapter 20. Um, Nicole, when you're ready, you can just go ahead and read for us, please. It's a short chapter. Yeah, thanks Thanks for that one. <laughs> Uh, so we're in, uh, again, First Chronicles 20. I am reading from the NIV version, uh, starting in verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, Joab led out the armed forces. He laid waste the land of the Ammonites and went to Rabbah and besieged it. But David remained in Jerusalem. Joab attacked Rabbah and left it in ruins. David took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was found to be a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes. David did this to all the Ammonite towns and then David and his army returned to Jerusalem. In the course of time, in the course of time war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. At that time, Shabakai, the Hushatite, killed Sipai, one of the descendants of the Raphites, and the Philistines were subjugated. In another battle with the Philistines, Elahanan, son of Jer, killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle, which took place at Geth, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He was also he also was descended from Rapha when he taunted Israel. Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, uh, David's brother, killed him. There, these were descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. All right, thank you, Nicole. Okay, so just to uh, position this a little bit. So we're Old Testament. Um, this chapters primarily focused on this, these sets of chapters primarily focused on um, David's reign, his military battles. And we'll talk specifically about what's happening here. And then just a reminder that a lot of what we're reading here 
is also a reference in Second Samuel. So there are things that are said in Second Samuel that are not mentioned here, but we'll use some of those as a reference as we go through today. Okay, so this starts out with in verse one. Um, it's entitled "The Capture of Haraba." And verse 1 starts off by saying, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. Now, typically, war was not waged in the winter. They would wait till the spring for obvious reasons. And we find that David stays in Jerusalem. And if we go back to the book of um, Second, I think Second Samuel, we know that this is the time that David had the affair with Bathsheba. So him staying in Jerusalem actually was not a great, great decision on his part because it led to one of the biggest falls that David had at the time. So, um, so what do we learn from this? So. In moments and hours of ease or relaxation, um, it's easily to fall into the power of sin, right? So we have to be alert. We have to be on guard. Um, it reminds us to be active, right? Actively pursuing what God wants for us because it's in those times of inactivity that temptation comes, that shame comes, that potential sin can happen. So much like David, those things can have far-reaching consequences. So even though those things happened, it ultimately didn't define him. But in that downtime, um, David did not keep his guard up, and look what happened. Okay, so let's keep our guard up at all times. Um, still in verse 1, it says, um, Joab led out the armed forces. He laid waste the land of the Ammonites and went to Rabbath and besieged it. Now, um, and left it in ruins. Okay, so if we go back to 2 Samuel 12, 26 to 31, it tells us that Joab conquered Rabbath. But then he calls David to come and help with the final conquest of the city, which was after David's sin, but also after repentance, right? So David comes and joins him. And then 2 Samuel 12, 29 tells us that David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbath. So he actually took some additional people with him and went to join um, Joab. Now, let's talk a little bit about David's. We know that David sinned, right? But there was also restoration. So the final phase of his restoration was him going back and leading Israel out to battle with Joab instead of remaining in Jerusalem. So he could have stayed there and kept doing what he was doing, but that was a road to destruction, right? That was a road to ruin. Um Okay, so this means that David was in victory once again. So bad stuff happened. There's repentance, there's restoration. He goes back into battle and he's victorious again. Uh, why? Because he was obedient to God. He recognized his sin, recognized that he needed to be restored. And God's blessing was able to be on him by doing the things that God was calling him to do. Now, 
um, his sin did not condemn him to a life of failure and defeat, right? We know that because he came back from that. Of course, there were consequences and corrections, but it did not mean that his life was ruined. So what's the application here? God's grace is bigger than anything you can do wrong, right? Look at what David did. He came back. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because God is a merciful God. Um, why? Because God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins, past, present, and future. Right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So never think that you're in a place where you're too far gone that I've done so many bad things, and what I'm doing right now is so despicable, God's never going to love me. That's not true, right? God's grace is bigger than anything you can do. Nothing can separate you from his love, okay? And we could stop there, but we're not going to. Um, let's go on to verse 2. So David took the crown from the head of their king. Now, and then of course, it was placed on his own head, now, David's sin didn't take away his crown. Right? 2 Samuel 12 says the prophet Nathan, in 2 Samuel 12, uh, the prophet Nathan rebukes David for his sin. And had David not listened, he may have lost his crown. But because David responded with confession and repentance, repentance, there was still a crown for David's head. Right? So... He was able to retain his kingship because of confession and repentance. So let's look at a few application points here. So one, it is never too late to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly at work in our lives. It just takes a response from us um, to come into that place of confession and repentance. Uh, number two, um, we need to have wise counsel in our lives, right? Just like Nathan spoke into David's life, we need people who can call us out on the junk in our lives, right? So who is the wise counsel that you have around you? Who are the people um, who can speak into your life just like the prophet Nathan did for David? And then three, um, it's one thing to have wise counsel. It's another thing to actually listen to them, right? So listen to the wise counsel and the Holy Spirit. Okay. So it's never too late. Have wise, wise counsel and then listen to them. Listen to the Holy Spirit. All right, verse 2 goes on, and it says, it took a great a uh, quantity of plunder, uh, where was I? Yeah, he took a great quantity of plunder from the city, brought out the people with a consigning them to labor with saws, with irons and pixes, picks and axes, and David did all this, did this to all the Ammonite towns. Um, so what's happening here is David, again, is increasing in his might, in his wealth, is bringing back riches to Jerusalem. And remember, he has an ultimate goal of rebuilding the temple or building the temple, which he's not going to do. His son will do. But as he is going through these um, battles and bringing back um, 
this planter, it is serving uh, for the purpose of what's needed to build the temple later on. So all this wealth is coming in. All right. Okay. So now verses four through seven um, is entitled War with the Philistines. And this is a very short chapter. Now, another title we could have, we could name this is, we could call this War with Giants. Okay, so um, the description um, of the victory of the Philistine giant shows that Israel could slay giants even without David. So there's often talk about David's mighty men and you know, the people that David used and the even when he wasn't there, there were people that were accomplished um, warriors, people that could fight um, for David and for the people of Israel, even when David was not with them. So what does that tell us? It shows us that David had good leadership. It shows us that God continues to raise up leaders, even when the leaders from a previous generation pass from the scene, right? God is continually raising up leadership to fulfill his purposes. So who are some of these guys? We have Sibakai, Alhanan, and Jonathan, of course. Now, if you take a look at David's legacy here, um, David's legacy lay not only what any accomplished, but what he left behind, right? A people prepared for victory. So David's triumphs were meaningful, not only for himself, but for others who learned victory through his teaching and example. So think about um, the next generation, right? Think about those um, kids, uh, whatever, it's just the next generation. What what are we showing them? Are we showing them how to be victorious in the way we follow God? Are we talking about the victories we're having, even though they're meaningful for us? But there is that call to raise up a generation to know what God did and and what He did for us, so that you know the stories of God will continue. Uh, let me bring up. Um, I'm going to just open. Judges chapter two, real quick. Maybe not as quick as I want. What is going on here? Here we go. Okay, Judges two. So, if you remember, um, in Deuteronomy six, when Moses is addressing the Israelites, he says to them, "You know these things that I am commanding you today. Teach them to your children. Teach them to the next generation." And so as the, and this is way back just before the Israelites were about to enter the promised land, he's reminding them that remember what God has done, because when you were in the desert, God was there. Now that you're going into the land of plenty, the land of milk and honey, remember that it was God who brought you through. Remember, it is God that provided everything for you. So tell those stories over and over again. So the importance of you know, sharing the triumphs, sharing the stories of what God has done is not just for us. It's not just for the people around us right now. It's for the people coming after us to 
as well so they would know who God is and what he has done and what's the risk. So if I go to Judges 2 and I go to uh, verse 8, actually, let me go to verse 10. So this is after Joshua, who was Moses' uh, Moses follower, um, who led the Israelites into the promised land. After he dies, in verse 10, it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then it goes on to talk about what the evil they did um, in the eyes of the Lord. So we are literally one generation away from losing our faith. And that's why it is so important for us um, to share the triumphs so that others might know that, you know, what has God done? What is, and God has been faithful throughout the generation. So we can share that with the next generation. Okay, so then it goes on uh, to talk about um, the six. In still another battle which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers in each hand and six toes in each foot, 24 in all. So he had a bit of an advantage when counting, right? He could go to 24 when everyone else could only go to 20. All right, there's the joke of the day. No, just kidding. So he was also descended from Rafa. So um, one... Let me just find my place. Okay. So these guys were born um, to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So Goliath was also from Gath. So these were relatives or descendants of Goliath. And I have a little note here that says the Philistine warriors are also called... Um, Rephites or descendants of Rapha. Uh, they were one of the pre-Israelite pre groups in Canaan and famous for their size. All right. So what's the what's the application here? Well, they were giants, but they were slayed. All right. Just because they're giants don't mean that they will overcome us. We can do great things with God, just like David and his men. Right, we can slay giants. So don't forget where the power comes from. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from your size. It comes from God. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, so what are who are the giants in your life? Right, so in this passage, um, these giants refer to literal, literal giants or mighty warriors whom David and his men fought against including this giant called Lami, who was the brother, basically was probably the brother of Goliath. So if we look at this from a metaphorical or a symbolic sense, right, the term giants in your life can refer to anything, um, challenges, obstacles, personal struggles, um, things that seem insurmountable, overwhelming, right? And these giants could represent anything that poses a significant challenge to your well-being, such as um, fear, addiction, financial problems, health issues, um, personal problems, relational issues, right? It could be anything. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, 
what or who are the giants in our lives, right? So as we head into the application here, so point one is we need to identify them, right? We need to call them out. Because when you name something, it takes away the mystery. It takes away some of the fear, right? So it starts with naming the giants in our lives. So what is it? A financial struggle. Um, I was praying with somebody yesterday. We're talking about some of the um, challenges with kids, you know, his challenges, our challenges. Right? There's always something that feels like a giant in your life. So one, we have to identify them. Um, two, we need to learn to trust God and find courage to confront our challenges through faith, right? God is bigger than anything than that um, we're going to face. God has seen it all. Um, he created it all. There's not much that God hasn't seen or dealt with. Look at As we look at David and these giants, um, they overcame them, right? They slayed them. So nothing is impossible, and we need to push into God. We need to push into our relationship with him as we identify what those things are. So three, what does it take? It takes persistence and determination, right? It is not a sprint. Um, we might have setbacks. We might have difficulties. Sometimes a giant may not be defeated in a single battle, right? It might take coming back over and over again. We might have to fall down and get up, fall down and get up. But with faith and perseverance, we can overcome, which leads us to the last point in that section, right? We, once we identify them, we need to remember we're not alone, right? We we have God with us, we have the Holy Spirit uh, working in us, but we are better in community, right? We are better together. So as we recognize our giants, we need to be in community. We need to have those people around us that we can share with, people that can be praying for us, people that can give us counsel, people that can give us advice. So as we identify the giants in our lives, let's not try to fight the battle alone, right? David had his men. Um, David brought more men to join uh, Joab when necessary. So bring in the reinforcements when you need it, right? Because we weren't meant to do life alone, we weren't meant to um, fight this battle alone. Okay, everyone's still good? We're still doing okay? Okay. All right, so then in the final verse there, we see that um, these descendants and these giants fell at the hands of David and his men. So ultimately... Um, they are victorious. Now, David is conquering enemies, not only for that current moment in time, but we know that it's creating a better future for Solomon, right? His son, as he will come up later on. So our present victory is not only good for us, but it passes something important on to the next generation, right? We spoke about that earlier. It's important to share the stories and victories we have in our lives. 
um, for those, especially for those who come after us, especially for those who haven't been through struggles yet. We always say that um, your story is the best story, right? Because it's going to be something that you have gone through or going through that somebody else is going to connect to. And when you come through it on the other side, um, those people that are watching are going, oh, I recognize that they've gone through the same thing I went through. I see how God has helped them. I see how um, there is victory on the other side. So your story is the best story. Do not be afraid to share. That's why we have um, testimonies, right? That's why we share stories, because there's always someone who's going to connect with your story, someone who needs to hear what you have to say. Okay, so let's do a quick summary here of uh, one First Chronicles 20. So what have we learned so far from this chapter? All right, so I'm a plate. All right, so one is just like David was um, in that downtime, things happen. Be alert in your downtime, right? Don't let the enemy lead you astray from your mission um, in those times when Maybe you're taking a break or some time off. Just be alert because the enemy lurks, right? He lurks waiting to draw us into something that we don't want to do. Two, it's never too late to turn to Jesus, right? Um, Jesus won the battle over 2,000 years ago. And what does repentance do? Repentance, repentance brings us into restoration, right? It brings us into right standing with God. Um, the third thing is we need wise counsel in our lives, right? We need people around us who can help us, who can lift us up, right? We need um, people to do life together with us. Uh, four, we can overcome our giants, right? We just need to identify them. Uh, we talk through some of the ways that we can um, overcome them, Right, identify them, trust God. It's not a sprint. Um, sometimes we need to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, right? But with faith and perseverance, we can overcome and we are better in community. And then the last point I have for today is leadership is important, right? So this chapter um, ultimately talks a lot about leadership, David's leadership, the men who are under him. And that leadership is important not only for now, but it's important for the next generation, right? We looked at Judges 2 and the the risk involved. So that's all I have for us today. Um, I hope that there was something that challenged you. Maybe you're thinking about some of the giants in your life. And just remember that, you know, just like David, who made a comeback from some really big mistakes, Right? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can keep us from the purpose he has for us. So I'm praying for you guys. Um, hope that this has helped you out a little bit. And let me close us out in prayer this morning. So let's pray. So Father, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, there's always so much to learn and there's so much rich richness in it. Father, I pray today that you would just um, allow us to take something 
and apply it to our lives, whether it be um, just learning to stay alert, whether it be um, looking at the giants in our lives and figuring out how to overcome them. Father, we thank you that you have won the battle. We thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from your love, nothing that we've done in the past, future, or um, in the present can separate us from uh, from you. And so, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that convicts us. Father, I pray for those who have real struggles today, that you would allow them to find the next step um, in their journey, whether it be a person, whether it be identifying an issue, uh, whether it be just dusting themselves off and getting back up and pushing on. Father, I pray that we would find strength in prayer. I find we, I pray that we would find strength through your word, but also in community. Father, I pray that um, your people would rally together we would find those that could help us on the journey. So, Father, I pray a blessing on each one. We thank you for this time, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a great day.